Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, this is another AMA episode. That is, ask me anything. I love to answer your questions. If you have a question you think is going to be a broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. James from British Columbia asks, I've been scouring a lot of Canadian towns and cities and have not come across any properties that rent at 1% of a house's value, let alone 2%. What do you recommend for Canadians, and am I focusing my search in the wrong areas? I live on the West Coast, so I've been primarily looking in the interior of British Columbia and Vancouver Island. Well, James, that's a great question. There is sometimes a paradox when it comes to making the numbers work for rental properties. The 1% rule or the 2% rule is a proxy for not paying too much for your income stream. It's not exact math by any means. Properties that tend to adhere to the 1% rule fall into one of two categories. The first are working class, C-class housing in areas where there's steady employment and houses are quite inexpensive to purchase. This usually happens in mature markets. I'm thinking of fairly industrial towns like Sudbury, Ontario, where there's large nickel mines and smelting operations. But Sudbury isn't growing like a major metro area like Toronto, Vancouver, or Nashville in the U.S. You need growth to drive up the price. Areas that are more rural, like Vancouver Island and the interior of British Columbia, have high infrastructure costs, and the cost of building roads and bringing electricity in is quite high. So the properties are expensive. A good U.S. example where you can meet the 1% rule very often is Indianapolis, Indiana. Boise, Idaho is another. The second area where we often meet the 1% rule is by building new apartments in markets where there's strong demand. That's what my company does. And we don't set out specifically to adhere to the 1% rule. We use more sophisticated measures, but when we look in the rearview mirror, we often discover that indeed we did meet the 1% rule. When we purchase vacant land in the core of the city, next to a great area, we often purchase the land at a deep discount to the market. This is our buy-on-the-line strategy that we've been talking about for quite some time on the show, and if you've been listening to the show for the while, I'm sure you've heard me talk about it. We consistently build new apartments in Philadelphia that meet the 1% rule, even though we're not actively setting out to meet that specific metric. With a rental property, you get paid in several different ways. Number one, you have positive cash flow with strong debt coverage ratio. Number two, you want to create enough value in the property that you can force some immediate appreciation. Our new construction project routinely achieved that. Number three, your tenants pay down a portion of your mortgage each and every month, which increases your equity in the property. And depending on your financing, the pace at which you pay down the principal is going to vary. Number four, the rising cost of construction through inflation means that the replacement cost of a property is always going up. That's going to create a certain amount of market appreciation, of course, assuming that you maintain your property in good condition. And number five, if you happen to be in an area where there's a lot of demand for rentals because there's an influx of jobs, there's an influx of population, you're also going to experience rent growth, which is well above the market averages. That's going to contribute to increasing the value of the property. Now, it's absolutely true that properties in many markets in British Columbia are expensive. There's been a tremendous amount of immigration, and homes that were once very affordable are now out of reach for many average people. The growth in the cities has had a spillover effect, and now even outside the major cities, prices have increased considerably. Sale prices have increased much faster than rents, and that's why you're having a hard time meeting the 1% rule. Remember, owner-occupants and foreign buyers don't use the same calculator that investors do. They're often willing to pay more. 
And what we're seeing in cases of markets that are supply constrained is that prices at the bottom of the market tend to rise faster as owner occupants don't want to get priced out of the market for home ownership. Prices in the higher end of the market in the luxury segments, they may not increase as much. So not all markets make great rental markets. You need to decide for yourself what are the characteristics that make up your investment formula. What specific need in the market are you going to serve? Some people have done extremely well in markets like Toronto where they purchased high-priced properties, rented them out at market rates, and in some cases even funded negative cash flow out of pocket. But those properties appreciated sometimes 10%, 12 even 18% in a single year. These folks rationalized that they were fine funding the negative cash flow because they expected the appreciation play would more than make up for the negative cash flow. Now, I personally don't recommend that strategy. It's very high risk. You don't know what the market's going to do in the future. You can look in the rearview mirror and say that worked out, but you can't drive in forward looking in the rearview mirror for guidance. But still, you're going to get people to boast about how much money they've made using that high-risk strategy. I find that the opportunity in many expensive Canadian markets is to focus on very specific underservice needs. For example, there might be a shortage of student housing next to a growing community college. There might be a need for luxury rental apartments for senior citizens who are downsizing and they don't want to tie up a lot of equity in their home. They want to use the home equity that they've accumulated over the years as a source of capital to fund their retirement. So condo isn't necessarily the right product for them. They want a condo quality product, but a product that's actually a rental. There's many, many different options. You really want to take a very focused, close look at where the gaps are in the market. And that's most likely where you're going to get the best opportunities to put investment dollars to work. Thank you, James, for an awesome question. Keep the questions coming. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.